Um, so what we're going to do today is, is going to be just a little bit different than what we typically do, and, and part of that is there are, you know, our kids are over there um, doing some of that stuff, and what I'd like us to do as a church is, is we're going to look at Colossians 4, 2 through 4, um, talking about remaining steadfast in prayer, and then, um, Lord willing, taking a, a significant amount of time to just pray together as a church um, for one another, for our youth, for the mission that God has given to us as a local church as well. So that's where we're going. Um, and so when I say it's a little bit different is I'm, I'm hoping not to spend a significant amount of time um, expounding certain points and passages uh, from this particular text because I want us to really jump into uh, just having an opportunity to pray together as a church this morning, but we are going to be in God's Word. So Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, let me read God's Word. The Apostle Paul writes the following, he says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways in which you clearly speak to us, revealing yourself to us, revealing your will for us. And Lord, we just ask as we sit before your word that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would soften our hearts, that we would receive your word, and your word would produce its intended effect in our lives. Lord, this would be like a seed that grows and, and bears a lot of fruit, that this particular passage, Lord, would, would shape the way in which we pray moving forward individually and as a church. That we would be a people who are steadfast in our prayers. That we would be a people who are watchful when we pray. And that we would give thanks continually, Lord, for we have so much to be thankful for. Lord, may we not take things for granted, but, but may we continually return back to you, acknowledging your goodness, acknowledging your work, and just thanking you for all that you have done, all that you're doing in our lives. And so, Lord, please accomplish your goodwill in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of my favorite questions when talking about prayer, and it's not really my favorite question, but I ask it, and there's a lot of reasons for it, is how often do you pray? I'm assuming you've, you've probably been asked that question a number of times, and one of the reasons that I sort of jokingly say one of my, my favorite questions questions to ask is it usually provokes um, in a lot of people this sort of sense of guilt uh, in the sense of like you answer that question by saying not enough a lot of the times just that I, I don't pray enough and so how often should we be praying that's a question that's asked sometimes um, but another question is, is why don't we think we pray enough or maybe you find yourself in a season where you're really not praying Sometimes we walk through seasons like that where uh, life gets full for us and we get so busy doing different things that, that we sort of 
arrogantly just forget God. And we kind of go on and we live our lives as if we're the ones who are ultimately in control. And so we just kind of do what's next on the to-do list. And when somebody does ask us that question about prayer, it makes us sort of stop and think, I really can't remember the last time I gave myself to praying to God, communing with the Lord, walking in fellowship with him, expressing my dependence upon him, asking him to accomplish his good purposes in us. And so we can get really busy sometimes and just assume God. And then sometimes there's those moments where we just kind of lose a little bit of faith because we've prayed that prayer over and over and over and over and over again. And there really hasn't been any significant change. And it could be your marriage. It could be you've been praying for your kids. It could be praying for somebody who's sick. It could be praying for a significant change financially. It could be praying for just all sorts of different things. And you feel like, I've prayed enough prayers for this. And I don't know that God is listening. And I don't know that he really wants to answer this. And so we get discouraged. So it's not so much being too busy. It's just we've sort of lack the faith to really trust God to accomplish his good purposes. We don't really believe sometimes that he's actually hearing us, even though scripture says he does hear our prayers and he seeks to answer our prayers. Well, there's a, there's a book I read several years ago called A Praying Life. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have read this? Okay, so a number of you have. I think we have some copies in the bookstore. It's written by uh, Paul Miller. And he just sort of shares about what it looks like to have a praying life, uh, communing with God during just all of life, trusting in the Lord. But I'm going to share a story with you, uh, and it comes from chapter one, and the title is, What Good Does It Do? And so he's sharing a story about his children in regards to the way in which one of his child thinks about prayer. And it goes like this. He says, I was camping for the weekend in the endless mountains of Pennsylvania with five of our six kids. My wife, Jill, was at home with our eight-year-old daughter, Kim. After a disastrous camping experience the summer before, Jill was happy to stay home. She said she was giving up camping for Lent. I was walking down from our camps. We don't have a lot of, we we must have people who don't like camping in here. Anyways, he says, I was walking down from our campsite to our Dodge Caravan when I noticed our 14-year-old daughter, Ashley, standing in front of the van, tense and upset. When I asked her what was wrong, she said, I lost my contact lens. It's gone. I looked down with her at the forest floor covered with leaves and twigs. There were a million little crevices for the lens to fall into and disappear. I said, Ashley, don't move. Let's pray. But before I could pray, she burst into tears. What good does it do? I prayed for my sister Kim to speak and she isn't speaking. Kim struggles with autism and developmental delay. Because of her weak, fine motor skills and problems with motor planning, she is also mute. One day after five years of speech therapy, Kim crawled out of the speech therapist's office crying from frustration. Jill said, no more. And we stopped speech therapy. Prayer was no mere formality for Ashley. She had taken God at his word and asked that he would let Kim speak but nothing happened. Kim's muteness was a testimony or was testimony to a silent God. Prayer, it seemed, doesn't work. And he goes on and he says, 
Few of us have Ashley's courage to articulate the quiet cynicism or spiritual weariness that develops in us when heartfelt prayer goes unanswered. We keep our doubts hidden, even from ourselves, because we don't want to sound like bad Christians. No reason to add shame to our cynicism, so our hearts shut the door. And so he just shares this story that I think, if we're all honest, can sort of relate with his daughter. Does this really work? Is God really listening to us? I mean, who hasn't prayed for God to heal someone only not to be healed and only to receive silence? Who hasn't asked God for help in a moment of need again to receive silence? We might not have actually voiced the question, what good does it do like Ashley did? But I bet we have all thought it at one point or another. We just, we grow weary sometimes, in doing good as God has called us to. Well, Paul Miller goes on and he shares the rest of the story, and I'm going to read just a few paragraphs. He says this, I needed help when Ashley burst into tears in front of our minivan. I was frozen, caught between her doubts and my own. I had no idea that she'd been praying for Kim to speak. What made Ashley's tears so disturbing was that she was right. What made Ashley's tears, I'm sorry, God had not answered her prayers. Kim was still mute. I was fearful for my daughter's faith and for my own. I did not know what to do. Would I make the problem worse by praying? If we prayed and couldn't find the contact, it would just confirm Ashley's growing unbelief. Already, Jill and I were beginning to lose her heart. Her childhood faith in God was being replaced by faith in boys. Ashley was cute, warm, and outgoing. Jill was having trouble keeping track of Ashley's boyfriends, so she started naming them like ancient kings. Ashley's first boyfriend was Frank, so his successor became Frank II, Frank III, and so on. Jill and I needed help. I had little confidence God would do anything, but I prayed silently. Father, this would be a really good time for you to come through. You've got to hear this prayer for the sake of Ashley. Then I prayed aloud with Ashley. Father, help us find this contact. When I finished, we bent down to look through the dirt and twigs. There sitting on a leaf was the missing lens. Prayer made the difference after all. I love this story. Because I love this story because it, it, it's, it's a dad trying to care for his daughter. It illustrates the weariness we all sort of get at times in regards to, does God really care even about a contact lens? Is God going to help me in this moment? And, and just the desperateness of parents at times or anybody where you just think, Lord, this would be a great time for you to show up. So my kid could actually see your power and his heart might be changed or her heart might be changed and, and they, would, they would pick up a cross and follow you and and I love this story because that's what happens. But the other side is, as we know, it doesn't always happen like that, does it? I'm grateful to God that, that he showed up in that moment and that contact lens was found. But sometimes we don't find the contact lens. And we're still called to walk by faith. And we're still called to commune with God. And we're still called to trust God. But I share that story as well because we all know the truth, prayer makes a difference. Prayer absolutely makes a difference. 
whether we believe God is being silent or whatever we believe about God and what he's doing in that moment, the reality is we know he's listening because scripture tells us that he hears the prayers of the saints. Scripture also teaches us that he's all wise, that he accomplishes his good purposes according to his good plan and his good purposes and his good plan always come to fruition, may not always line up with our good purposes and our good plans, but we also are not God. We also did not create this world. We were created by him in his image after his likeness. He knows exactly what he's doing all the time. And so we pray in faith and we cry out to the Lord and we ask him to work. And so what we're going to learn in these short time that we have left doing this is that this simple truth, God calls us to continue steadfastly in prayer. God calls us to continue steadfastly in prayer. When those moments of doubt come rushing into your minds and make you, make you find yourself asking this question, what difference does prayer really make? We're called to press on and to continue to pray, to continue to trust in God our Father. Called to not give up believing in Him, not give up communing with Him, not give up trusting that He is always at work in every situation, and not give up believing that He invites us into this relationship with Him. That looks like us talking to him and with him through prayer. So to help us sort of jump, dive deeper into this, continuing steadfastly into prayer, we're going to look at four quick points. The first one is simple. Don't stop praying. Number one, don't stop praying. Sam Storms writes, the easiest thing about prayer is quitting. The easiest thing about prayer is quitting. Giving up seems so reasonable and so easy to justify. I've already talked about one of the reasons why we find it easy to quit praying, being busy, kind of losing some faith. I think another one is, is sometimes we just think that we can live life on our own, that, that we can just really accomplish things in our own strength, thinking that we're in control. But the reality is everything in life is out of our control. And if you don't feel that, I'd say all you got to do is live life long enough and sooner or later, you're going you're gonna to walk into something and it's probably going to happen today and you're going to realize you have no control over it. You might be able to manage some things, but ultimately we are not the ones in control, but God is. And he's always in control. He's the one that holds all things together. All things together. He causes the sun to rise and the sun to set. He causes the rain to fall when and where it does. He's always in control. He's in charge of kings and presidents. They fall under his sovereign rule. He allows for our hearts to beat and he gives us the strength to live each day. He's in control and he knows when we will breathe our last breath. God is always in control, and we're not. And that's one of the reasons why we must continue to be steadfast in our prayers, to not give up praying, because we're not in control, but He is always in control. And so until we breathe our last breath, we're called to trust Him. And what we see from this passage is 
is trusting him looks like, in this sense, us continuing to commune with him through prayer, continuing to cry out to him and to make our requests known to him, to ask him for every and all things, trusting that that he will answer them all according to his good will. And so we continue to pray and we don't give up praying because God is the one who's at work. And so don't ever give up praying. And Jesus shared a parable about this. In Luke chapter 18, he goes on and he, he writes this in Luke. He says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose hearts. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous just says. I will not give, I will not, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? And so we have this parable here from Jesus to help us as his followers to build this conviction that, that we're called to be steadfast in prayer. That, that we're to continually go to the Lord trusting that he will hear us and he will answer according to his good will. And so the application really is simple. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. And when you lose heart, tell somebody you're losing heart that they might encourage you and remind you to not give up. To remind you of God's goodness and his power and his love for you and the fact that he killed his son so that you can enjoy this relationship with him by faith. So pray. In absolutely everything you do, pray. Before you get out of bed in the morning, pray. As you're getting out of bed in the morning, pray. As you're taking a shower, pray. As you're transitioning to work, pray. As you're working through your day, pray. As you're doing school, pray. As you're interacting with your friends, pray. Live a life of prayer. Be steadfast in prayer. This doesn't always have to look like I set apart an hour every day. I'm going to go into my prayer closet, get on my knees, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I think that's good. But I think what he's talking about here is just being in constant communion with the Lord, always recognizing he's in control, we're not, and he invites us into this relationship with him where we get to draw near with him and ask him to do his will. And so we pray. Sometimes it's silently, sometimes it's out loud. I was talking to Sheila this morning and she was telling me about school. This is your 20th year, right? She's saying one of the things she loves about teaching here is that she can just walk into her class and say, let's pray. Or she can tell her students, anybody needs a prayer request, just text me or let me know in class. I don't think they text or whatever, but just pray. And it's, it's, it's part of that. She's teaching them this same thing. And what God's calling us to do is 
is our life and our relationship with God is to be marked by steadfast prayer. Acknowledging who he is and asking him to be, be at work in what we're doing. Number two, be watchful when you pray. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So being watchful here is being alert. It's not, it's not mindlessly sort of just jumping into prayer and just sort of reading something and not really thinking about it. it it's being alert. It's being awake, being awake to God. Being watchful. Who is God and what is God doing? Where do you think we, we, we find the answers to those questions? Throughout every page of Scripture. God is revealing Himself to us. And He's revealing His good purposes for us. And, and what He's doing in this world that we live in. And so we want to be alert. We want to be awake to who God is and what He's doing. So we, when we pray... We're to be watchful. Lord, what, what are you doing? And sometimes that takes a little bit of work to figure out what God's doing. When life feels like it's confusing and sort of like you're in the midst of a tornado and everything's spinning out of control, it might take a little work in that moment to figure out, no, God, Romans 8, 28, no, he really is at work. And the other thing we're called to be alert and awake to is our surroundings. So how does God and what he's doing relate to the people around me and what's going on in their lives? And so it's, it's not just about reciting the same prayer over and over and over again. It's about communing with God in relation to the life God's called us to live. And so we put names and faces to the mission we've been called to. And so we can pray things like, Lord, build your kingdom. Lord, save people. Add them to your church. But we live life with real unbelievers and friends all around us. And I'm not saying you can't pray that general prayer because we do that sometimes. But I think being watchful in our prayer sometimes might look like, Lord, please save this person. Just fill in the name. Whoever came to your mind first. Who's the unbeliever that you're thinking about right now? that you have a friendship with, that God has placed you in his or her life. Well, God has a purpose for that relationship. Matthew 28, he calls us to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching people about Jesus. And so you have people in your life that you can then, you know where they're at, and you cry out to God, and you ask God to work and to save them. And so that would just be one, one example. The other one is if you're a parent. There's, there's tons of examples here. You're just, you're just connecting who God is, what he's doing, to your current life and the people around you. And so as parents, God calls us to train up our children according to his ways. He also calls our children to obey their parents in the Lord because it's right. And that's awesome on paper, isn't it? Anybody who's been a parent longer than a year knows that that is awesome on paper. Doesn't always work out as easy as it, but we're striving towards that. I know we all are. And so we commune with the Lord and we're watchful in our prayers because we're praying, Lord, please save Jimmy. Lord, help me teach him who you are, that he might know you, that he might pick up a cross and follow you. 
Lord, help Jimmy or Katie to have godly friends and not walk with fools that they might learn more about you and follow you. Lord, help Katie to serve, honor, and obey her parents in the Lord. Lord, we know it's right, but but her heart's not there yet. So would you change her heart? And so we connect. We're watchful. We're paying attention. This is what God is, and this is who we want, what he wants to do in our lives. But this is reality, and it's not matching up. Well, how do we get it to match up? Ultimately, the Lord's got to do a lot of that work. Most of it. He's got to bring heart change. So we're watchful in it. Point number three says, be thankful when you pray. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Douglas Moon, his commentary, wrote the following. He said, a true appreciation of the believer's status dead to the world and its powers, alive to God in Christ with all one's sins forgiven and destined for glory will inevitably produce thanksgiving. That's kind of a mouthful and you kind of got to look at it. And I also had a request, if you would leave these up there longer than normal. Thank you. Um, Anyways, what he's just saying here is, is basically when somebody really understands the gospel, the good news, you were dead in your sins, but by the grace of God, he made you alive through faith in Jesus Christ canceling the debt of all of your sins and giving you his righteousness and eternal life, that ultimately what it produces in us, should produce in us, is thanksgiving. That's why we say things like Christians should be some of the happiest people. Why? Forgiven. Even if you're the biggest screw-up, even if your marriage is terrible, but you've been saved by faith through Jesus Christ, you're You're forgiven. This is not our home. It's just not. Things don't last here. Sin remains. It shows up. It creates a lot of confusion. It destroys a lot of things. But God's purpose and plan for your life was to send His Son Jesus to die for all of it so that you would spend eternity in heaven with Him without any of that mess. And for that, we're thankful. And I would say, at the end of the day, your life could be absolutely just terrible. Nothing ever going right for you, which is not true because stuff does go right because God is at work. But I'm just saying, for the sake of illustration, it could be that bad. But if you're a believer, you always have something to give thanks for. And it's forgiven. It's a right relationship with God. It's hope of eternal life. But he says, when we pray, be thankful in it. And I would just challenge us as a church, and we're going to do this here in just a moment, is we're just going to spend time where we just thank God. Thank God for his many evidences of grace, his many ways in which he's at work in our lives. And and I would say sometimes, especially if we're not in the, the, the practice or the habit of giving thanks to God, Sometimes this could be hard work. We, you know, we get through, I'm thankful for my mom, I'm thankful for my dad, I'm thankful for my job, I'm thankful for uh, my church. What I would say is I would challenge us, go deeper. Because the Lord's at work in all the details of our lives. 
tells us in, in his word that we're to count it all joy when we meet trials of many kinds. And so I would challenge us, even, even in the midst of a trial, find, find something to thank God for. Because we know if we continue to read that in James, he, he's at work in that trial changing us, causing us to grow in our faith, preparing us not to spend our life here forever, but preparing us to spend eternity with him. So trials are bad. Some are worse than others. But God's at work in them. And we can thank God for that. And sometimes we don't know what it is at the time. But my point is, what he's calling us to hear is to be thankful. To be thankful. So to spend time just thanking God for all that he's doing and all that he promises to do. And lastly, point four, Paul asks them to pray for him that God may open doors for the word. And, and this has to do with the mission of the church. And so I just say pray for open doors. Be watchful in your, so be watchful in your prayers. Be thankful in your prayers. And, and, and pray that the gospel would advance. Pray that the gospel would advance. Pray that God would use you. God would use our local church, God would use other believers to go into places and to meet people who don't believe in Jesus and that the doors may be open to tell people that God has so loved them that he sent his son Jesus to live in this world and ultimately to die on a cross so that they might be forgiven of all of their sins and receive eternal life. The world needs to hear this message. It's the power of God to save people. We, we can't save people, but he, he calls us to go and share this message that, said, that does save people. And so we pray for open doors. And I'd also add there, when you're going, uh, I'd, I'd be praying for clarity. I pray that the Lord would help me speak clearly. Pray that you, as you go and you walk through open doors, that you would clearly proclaim the gospel. But I would also encourage you, uh, the Lord works in mysterious ways. There's so many stories. And just ask people, how did you get saved? There's so many stories that just amaze me. And it's like, well, how did God save you? And, and people sharing stories of hearing the gospel from different people in different ways. And it's and, and God's just amazing. God works. God opens doors. And if you think he doesn't, all I'd say is look around this room. Somewhere at some point in time, he opened the door so that somebody would walk in and share the gospel with you and that you would be given faith to believe it. And so we pray and we open door, ask God to open doors. And so what I want to do uh, until probably 1115, here's what we're going to do, is we're just going to pray. So I know we do this a little bit, but we're going to break up. You can do it in, with families, um, small groups, and we're just going to take next 10 minutes, maybe a little bit longer, and we're just going to pray. And so here's what we're going to pray for. We're going to pray for our church. Okay, so if, you, if you're wondering, well, who is, who is that? Just open up your eyes while you're praying and just you see somebody here, pray for them. Pray something specific for them, okay? So we're going to pray for one another. And I also want us to pray for the next generation. So we have a Move Up Sunday going on. And we have our kickoff to our youth ministry that starts today. So let's pray for the youth in our church. That God would save them and soften their hearts. 
that they would receive the words that are being spoken today. They would receive the gospel and pick up their cross and walk by faith. And then lastly, I want us just to spend time giving thanks to God. Okay? So while you're praying, just think about it like popcorn sort of prayer since we're taking so long to, to gather together. Is You don't have to pray for everything at once. Trust that it'll find its way back to you. You know, so you can give thanks for a few things, let it lie, let it come back when the silence comes, and then just pray again, okay? That's kind of the practical thing to it, but let's break up right now, then I'm going to come back up and close this, but let's pray for those things, please.